Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I think it's going to be Zach Collins. He's the guy that can unlock so many different things for this team. This is the Believe in Trailblazers show. The Portland Trailblazers have won the World Championship. On Believe Podcast Network. Boom, chakalaka! Portland's number one sports podcast network. Now. The Blazers win in four overtime. 140 to 137. Here's your host, Jordan Schultz. Welcome on in to episode 27 of Believe in Trailblazers on the Believe Podcast Network. Jordan Schultz sitting in with you on the Believe Podcast Network. Believe is Portland's number one sports podcast network. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? If you have any burning questions about Rip City you want answered on the show, or if you heard something I said and you want to tell me I'm nuts, a lot of people do. Hit me up on Twitter, on the air, Jordan with an O. We have got another fun episode planned for y'all this week. Joining us now, a veteran of Portland and the NBA media, a basketball expert, covers all things LeBron James for USA Today and LeBron Wire. He's been on the podcast once before. Really appreciate him coming back to talk some NBA. It's Eric Gunderson. Eric, thanks for taking the time, coming on again. How you doing uh, with basketball returning soon, hopefully? I'm doing all right. You know, as good as can be with the, the pandemic, I was able to get out of town for a little while for uh, with my wife and I. We went on a little bit of a road trip. Nice. That was fun. Uh, but we're back. We're back now, back home. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm glad that there's going to be basketball. I mean, obviously, Florida isn't necessarily the best place to be right now. But I think um, considering where they where the, that they're actually in Disney World, I think they're going to all be pretty much OK. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to have hoops back. I'm excited to have sports back. I mean, not just basketball, but I mean, they've had, you know, baseball is going to be back soon. So I think the Seattle you know, Sounders are uh, kicking off soon. So as we yeah, take this yeah. interview. Yeah. Both the, the men's and women's soccer leagues are going. So, and it looks like the WNBA is going to go. So, I mean, it, it looks like we're going to have some sports pretty soon. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy about that. So, obviously, I'm very happy as well, basically same as you on that spectrum. Are I kind of wonder, because I'm experiencing a lot of emotions throughout this whole COVID process, are you experiencing other emotions um, as you see the news, kind of inside looks from NBA players arriving at Disney World Resort in Orlando, Florida? At this point, or up to this point, it's all just been conversation, and now we're actually getting to see tangible rooms, the results of what these guys and gals uh, in the WNBA are going to be staying in. Um, I guess, are you not only excited to watch sports again in a couple of weeks, but are you wondering if the conditions down there are, are creating any issues for the players or not? You know, I, I think as far as the conditions are concerned, uh, I think they're okay. I think obviously the biggest concern is like that there's cases spiking in Florida and you wonder about like, is there enough hospital space? Like, what are guys going to do if they get injured? Like, are they going to go to a hospital where they're taking on COVID patients and stuff like that. Like those are some of the things I'm thinking about, but 
I think they can handle it, and I think that the NBA has done a really good job. And frankly, I mean, these accommodations are better than anything yeah. I have like stayed in. I mean, these are basically five star hotels. They're just inside Disney World. And that's like, kind of sounds like a sorry. dream, a five-star hotel inside Disney World. As a kid, that kind of seems like something that you would always want to go do, right? Yeah, and uh, I mean, I've seen, they've shown the rooms, like they, they have, they brought in special beds to accommodate the bigger players. You know, they brought in extra large beds. They, the hotel that the best teams are staying at, like the Lakers and the Milwaukee Bucks and the Raptors, it just opened like last July. It's oh, not, okay. It's like bare. It's barely a year old. So, like, these guys, the best teams are staying at a brand-new hotel, basically. Dang. Uh, yeah, I didn't even realize that. I was actually looking at some of uh, – there were videos, I think, Orlando's Terrence Ross was one of them, Portland native, that I watched, uh, kind of giving a little bit of a sneak peek. Um just getting into the room, opening up all of his goodie bags from the NBA and from the Orlando Magic. After watching that, I am looking and thinking that they're going to be relatively comfortable, kind of just holing up for three yeah. months. But then you see the pictures of, and this is totally different from the NBA, over at the WNBA is actually staying at the IMG Academy. They were dealing with, like, bed bugs. And it just it makes yeah, me concerned for yeah. their health yeah, overall. Yeah, that was bad. No, you know... Those were bad, but then there's also been other players that have shown, like, you know, most of them are in, like, suites, and they're, like, pretty nice digs yeah. at the IMG Academy, and, I, you know, I think it's just, I think everyone in both leagues is taking the whole situation differently. Like, I think every gotcha. person has their own outlook on it. Like, I saw a video from Damari Carroll, who's there, and he's like, man, this food looks good to me. And John Morant was like, you know, I, I like to eat ramen. Like, this is this, this is fine. great. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, so like, like you know, and, and not every guy is taking it the same way either. Like, I think, like, veterans, like, J.R. Smith was, like, not impressed. And, like, Rondo was talking. Even though Rondo hadn't even, the Lakers hadn't even gotten there when Rondo posted that photo of the room that yeah. he compared to Motel 6. Oh, God. Which, first of all, I don't know what Motel 6 Rondo is going to. But I think that's more of a byproduct of these guys being in the league for, like, 12, 10 to 12, 15 <laughs> years. And, and only staying in five-star hotels in cities where they always have, like, everything, you know, like, nonstop room service. And also, they've never done it in a quarantine, like the rules for the quarantine and the food that they're eating and all that stuff and the contact they're allowed to have and where they can get food from is completely different from what it's going to be for while they're there. Exactly. Like for, the, for the majority of the time. Like, they just have to be extra, extra careful. And it's like, also, food doesn't look good in a closed-to-go box. No, never does. Like, no. Like, I, listen, I love to post pictures of my food, especially takeout. Like, I know, I, like, there's a process to making it look better than it you know like, there is it's totally true you, you get food photographers yeah. you get the right lighting and and not even that just when you get a plate at a restaurant all the steams coming off of it i mean you put that in a box it's obviously not going to look the same an hour later so so I, I okay i see where you're going and i think that i agree with you that maybe the reaction to the food was a little overblown dude for sure i think some players i think some players are also trolling because they know that people are like sensitive for it like did you see joe ingles's photo the other day no, what did he, he shoot out there? He was like, he's like personal. He's like, he's like, you know, tr get fueling for training camp, and he definitely took a picture of food that he had already eaten. <sighs> like, and, and but Come so on, many dude. people jumped on it. Were like, 
I can't believe this is what they are serving to NBA players. And it's very clearly like a food that he's basically already eaten. Like the soup that he had was like already down to the bottom of the cup. Like everything about it looked like it was an already eaten plate. But people jumped on it. And he like, I think some players are also just like trolling yeah. to kind of get people to talk. Oh my God. All right. Well, Eric Gunderson dispelling the rumors and uh, maybe the less researched news stories coming out of the NBA Bubble League in Orlando. Eric Gunderson, uh, editor for LeBron Wire, covers LeBron for USA Today, uh, joining us here on Believe in Trailblazers. I've actually got, it's kind of funny that they mentioned the Motel 6. Uh, I, I drove cross country uh, when my fiance and I moved from Oregon to Boston, Massachusetts, where she's from, and we lived for a year, and we booked a bunch of cheap Motel 6s along the way, right? She got scabies, okay? There is no comparison. Oh, my God. There is no comparison to an actual Motel 6 and what Rajon Ronto and the Lakers are staying in, okay? And when, when I don't know if you've ever had scabies before, but when one person no. in your household gets scabies, every single, like, we had five other people in the house. We all had to put creams on for a week so we wouldn't get scabies. And that all came from a Motel 6. So I, yeah, no, ugh. they're they're gonna be fine. I think also the I think the vast I think the WNBA players in for in large part are going to be fine. I just think like yeah, I think some of the shock and honestly the, the thing that I definitely understand the most that is the thing that sucks the most for these guys is that they're leaving their family. Behind. Yeah, like that, like that hurts. Like I get that, but like as far as the accommodations are concerned, I think they are more than okay. But I, I definitely think that a lot of these guys are dealing with like some you know they're pissed they're like a little bit depressed that they're not going to be with their family and I, I totally understand that man I, I saw that picture of Damian Lillard before the Blazers flew out kissing his baby boy goodbye I, that actually mm-hmm. brought it, it like kind of made my heart crunch a little bit like oh my gosh dude that I don't know if I could That's do tough. that for three months yeah. uh, and he just yeah. had that baby what less than a year ago or a year ago or so yeah, yeah it's like he's barely a year old I yeah think. like just just a little bit over a year old like uh, so and it just reminds you that these are real human beings dealing with life just like we are in the pandemic. Uh, you know, no matter how much more money than us they make, they still have to make those decisions, and that mm-hmm. sucks. And, and uh, Eric, all right, so I want to get into uh, more of the Portland Trailblazers specifically now. Kind of talked about uh, the bubble league and how that's looking uh, down in Orlando right now. So the Blazers uh, actually kind of annoyed after the schedule was released for the final eight games that they're going to finish up for the year. Uh, the Blazers kind of have a tough one. Five out of their mm-hmm. final eight games are a- against, in my opinion, top-tier teams in the NBA. Uh, they sit three and a half games behind Memphis coming in, uh, the eighth-place team in the West, to this restart. Uh, but the Pelicans and the Kings, it's worth mentioning, also breathing down Portland's neck, one game behind them. Um, the rules for this restart, to force a play-in, you only have to be four games behind the eighth seed I was excited about that a couple of weeks ago for the Blazers, but now not so much since the schedule's been released. Um, the Pelicans, for instance, I think the total win-loss percentage for their opponents is just under 50%. So their road, at least to a play-in against the Grizzlies, looks a lot easier than Portland's. Are the Blazers on the outside looking in now, or am I being a little dramatic? 
No, I, I mean, I think the schedule definitely presents a lot of concerns. Like you mentioned, I mean, every single one of these teams are based, like pretty much all of them are going to make the playoffs. You know, the only question is really is, like is the Nets Memphis. or Memphis. And even the Nets, and the Nets, the Nets have like a massive, you know, they're in, I think, in seventh right now, and they have a massive gap between them and the, uh, the Wizards. Oh, good Lord. And the Wizards, the Wizards aren't sending anybody good. Like, uh, like Beal just announced he's not playing. David, Davis Bertans is not playing because he's going to be a free agent. Uh, the Nets don't have anybody, so at least they get to play the Nets. Uh, so, like the Nets just signed Jamal Crawford and Michael Beasley because they literally have nobody else. Um, but there, it's going to be it's going to be tough. But here's what I will say: is that I do think the ease of New Orleans' schedule is, I think, being a little bit overblown because New Orleans still is not a good team. Like I know that they were playing well with Zion, but. Yeah. And Zion, but you know all the photos that we've seen, he looks in like in phenomenal shape. But you know, like this is still mostly a young team. And anytime I always get weary in the NBA when when we as a collective like media put a lot of big expectations on teams that have done nothing. Yeah. And 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 the Pelicans are one of those. They haven't done anything. Like they they haven't, especially with their core group right now. And so. Um, and the other thing is that Portland doesn't have to worry about the tiebreaker anymore. If they and New Orleans basically have the same record and the Kings as well, if, if they all have the same record in this stretch, Portland's going to be ahead of them because they've played two more games than anybody else. Exactly. So, so as long as they match what New Orleans does, they can force that play in. I don't think they're going to catch Memphis, which is going to be – you know, borderline impossible three and a half games out with eight to go. They do get to play them the first game. But, um, I mean, I think they can, I think forcing a playoff or a play in where they have to beat Memphis twice in a row is very, very possible. You know, I, I don't think that that's crazy at all. All right, and you are totally right. Uh, as good as Ingram and Zion and uh, Ball are, they haven't done anything together yet. So mm-hmm. that core is going to be amazing in like five years, but still a little young. Um, so I'm not quite right. ready to hand them the torch yet. And it sounds like you and aren't they've either. Never, none of them have played pressurized NBA basketball. Exactly. Like, And when they get to Orlando, like it's going to be a playoff atmosphere. Like They played Sacramento twice, but – you know, I think Sacramento could be, could easily win two both of those. You know, they could easily win both of those against them, and then Sac could maybe be in a position. I mean, they do get Phoenix and they do get the Wizards, which is you know a gift. It's just a gimme. That's what upsets me about that. It's just yeah. a gimme yeah. for them. And the Blazers, like usual, face the hardest road up the hill, at least in my opinion. Right, and and, and, and I mean nobody. You know, you're gonna have to play the Celtics right out of the gate, and then you're gonna play the Rockets who. You know, depending on, you know, that's just a nightmare matchup. You just never like to play James Harden. And then you got the Nuggets, who, have, of course, are a great rival. I mean, I mean, I really think... The Celtics, good luck with that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think there is a chance, though, that when they get to the Mavericks matchup mm-hmm. and potentially the Sixers, those two teams could already be locked in to oh. their seeds at the end. So they might be resting guys, especially with the Sixers and Embiid what? and... Would they rest guys after such a long layoff, though, bro? I, I that's that's a decent thought, but I just wondered to would would they would they let their coach even rest them? It's like, dude, I want to play. My legs have been down for three months. I, I don't know, just a thought. No, no, that's that's a good, that's a great point, but I I don't think it's out of the question though. You no. know what I'm saying? Like those 
last three games, like those first five are brutal, but those last three, I could see those being really winnable games if if Philly and Dallas in particular are locked in. And I think obviously they could beat the Nets. Like the Nets are basically a big three team. All right, Eric Gunderson joining Believe in Trailblazers on the Believe Podcast Network covers all thing LeBron, all things LeBron James for USA Today and LeBron Wire. We're talking Blazers and the restart in the Bubble League coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, big Blazers news coming out last week, Eric, with Trevor Ariza having to forego the NBA restart, taking care of some personal business. Uh, good on him for that. Uh, unfortunately, though, it's going to create a huge hole for them at least in my opinion, does the return of Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins minimize the loss of Trevor, or should fans of Rip City be a little worried? And and worried because they didn't sign anybody, at least in my opinion, Jalen Adams, a point guard, runner-up for the MVP out of the G League. Yeah, he's good, but he's a point guard. That's not what they needed. So should fans be worried, or are Nurkic and Collins coming back the answer that Terry Stotts is planning to use? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think this team's going to play big. I mean, this team is going to be one of the bigger teams in terms of what they run out there than a lot of the teams out there, which is funny compared to what they were for most of the season where <laughs> right. Hassan Whiteside was the only big man. So funny. And, and, and so now they're just going to be running like a massive lineup out there. Scott is saying that he's not sure whether he's going to go with Nurkic and Whiteside or Nurkic and Collins. He is basically committed to starting – Nurkic, Carmelo Anthony, C.J. McCollum, and Dame. And he, the, the fifth guy is basically a toss-up right now between, Nur, uh, between uh, Collins and Whiteside. And I think, um, I think eventually they'll go with Collins just because I think he has more versatility as a power forward than either Nurk or Whiteside. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's what they eventually go with. But, I mean, they do have a hole at the three, but I think Carmelo's going to at least start those games. And also I just think it's, it's just an easier thing to do with a guy of Carmelo and Anthony's stature to just have him start the game, even if he's not playing for necessarily a normal, you know, portion of small starting small forward minutes. You can sub in Gary Trent early, move him to the four, and or do something, or put Wenyan Gabriel out there and put him in the three yeah. or something. But you know, there there are other things that they can do, you know, where they're not going. They don't have to stretch Melo at the three, but I think. He's going to start at a three just because it's it's just a lot easier. And I think also, you know, Melo wants to show that he can still move out there. I mean, I think everyone typecast him as like a stretch four now these days, but his defense honestly wasn't that bad. No, uh, I didn't. I didn't think his defense was particularly bad when he as a blazer. So um, he might be able to handle it. And especially with the amount of switches that happen, you know, he could switch onto a big if he needs to and use his muscle and, his strength. And so I, you know, I think playing it with the three Collins and Nurk is ultimately what they should start with. And then of course, Dame and CJ, but um, obviously not having a reason sucks because he was really their only, he was their really only true three that they had. I felt like came in and he was shooting 40% from three, just kind of solidified the small forward position uh, after he came in for the Baysmore trade from the Sacramento Kings. And I still think Melo can play a great three. I feel like, he kind of turned into a stretch four because that's what the Portland Trailblazers needed out of him. Uh, but maybe I'm wrong. And I think that this actually, Eric, gives the Blazers a really good chance to play with an idea that I really want them to do. And that's keeping Whiteside next year. But to do that, 
Um, you would have to basically give Nurkic, Collins, and Whiteside all 30 minutes each a game to keep them happy playing time-wise. It's doable, but with Ariza out for the rest of the season, it gives Terry Stotts a much better chance to look at an option like that. Definitely. I, I, I think, honestly, the, the not having Ariza gives him an easier chance at making every, all those guys happy, uh, for sure. Especially, you know, because Whiteside is, Whiteside, uh, you know, when he was in Miami, they would occasionally, they would bench him quite a bit. They yep. would bring him off the bench a lot. Um, and, and that kind of went in and out. And I think that kind of messed with him a little bit. But I think being that he's on this team, being that he's on a team that, you know, has been to the conference finals without him, uh, and has, you know, guys of Dame stature, CJ stature, and Mello that are constantly talking about how much they believe in Nurk and Collins, I think it's a lot easier for Whiteside to accept whatever role he is. And, you know, he's not going to be benched, benched. He's going to play still. And I think that's a huge thing. And I think if Portland can somehow get into that eighth spot, I think the fact that they have three really, like, solid bigs gives them a shot against the Lakers to make that series interesting because the Lakers size is like probably the biggest advantage about them that nobody talks about. Like, I mean, LeBron is the starting point guard and then they have JaVale McGee next to either Anthony JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard. who I, I think it's been better than McGee next to Anthony Davis. I mean, they are massive. Like, yeah. I mean, like the smallest guy on their team is like Contavious Caldwell Pope or Alex Caruso, and both those guys are 6'5". Like, their team is huge. And so, like, you've got to have size to combat them. And honestly, I don't see a lot of teams that have size in aggregate like the Blazers do other than the Lakers. Yeah, And, and that's what I think it could be really an enticing matchup. Because everyone talks about Dane, but I think the bigs could be a big difference maker if they played. The positionless basketball that you're talking about that the game has really changed into, Eric, for sure. And the, honestly, you're right. I haven't heard the Lakers in their size uh, mentioned a lot. It's just been all about the, you know, the tandem of LeBron and Anthony Davis, which rightfully so. But yeah, I think the Blazers' bigger guys. I think you're right. That actually could end up helping them uh, if if they do end up matching yeah. up against the Lakers. Like, all, all these... it that and the if is doing a lot of work, let's be real. No, it's true. And, and yeah, just once again, we're kind of crossing our fingers that it gets to that point. Uh, all right, just a couple more questions, Eric, and then I'll let you go. One more Blazers question. Who is their X factor in Orlando? I mean, obviously, we were just kind of talking about Melo. Um, I think that that's going to be the X factor. I think a lot of fans out there would say Gary Trent Jr., but I've been hearing a lot of whispers in the past week or so about Nasir Little. He's had some growth uh, in his game during the long layoff. Or could it be one of the guys coming back from injury? So I think it's going to be Melo, but who do you think the X factor for the Blazers will be? Uh, You know, I think it's going to be Zach Collins. Uh, you know, I, I think really he's the guy that can unlock so many different things for this team. Obviously, Nurkic is is incredible, but in uh, a huge part of this team, they didn't have him last year in the playoffs. But you know, Collins can finish games as the five. He can play the four. I think when teams put uh, you know a smaller guy on him, perhaps he can punish them in the post. And I think he gives them a lot of lineup options and also as the fact that he can shoot the three and he's comfortable shooting it, you know, you play him at center and you could have a lot of room for Dave and CJ and Melo to work with. And that can unlock a lot of things. And he also, you know, I, I think him and Nurk both give them some, some nasty uh, that they need. They need 
you know, because Whiteside is a great – Whiteside's a – you know, he's an incredible individual rebounder, incredible shot blocker, but he just doesn't have that edge, like that FU, you know, type of, of attitude. Doesn't get angry has. enough. I hear you. No, no, he doesn't get angry. He doesn't really get angry. And so I, I think having Collins there to kind of bring that anger – and also the fact that he can play both positions pretty comfortably. And, you know, Mello really shouted him out the other day when we were on a conference call with Mello. He's like, Zach in particular, he's like, he's like, I, he's like, I didn't really know exactly what Zach brought to the court until I started seeing it in practice because he's been healthy. And Mello knows what he's talking about. So, like, I, I, I'm excited to see Zach Collins out there. I think he's the guy that can really um, – he can turn the tables in a lot of different matchups and he can match up with a lot of different teams and it's going to be hard out there. I mean, they're going to have a lot of games where they're, I mean, against the Mavericks, for instance, that team shoots a ton of threes. Maybe you're not going to be able to put Nurkic out there. Maybe you need to put Zach Collins on Kristaps Porzingis and, and that's how you combat them, their three point shooting. I mean, I think Collins or against the Rockets who bears don't even play a center, you know, I like there's, there's situations I think where Collins, as a small ball center and a power forward, can really, uh, really open up some doors for this Blazers team. Eric Gunderson covers LeBron James for USA Today, editor of LeBron Wire. One more question before we go, Eric. Uh, obviously, all the talk about the championship, uh, if we do get to that point, because I'm still concerned about the players' health, to be honest. But past that, mm-hmm. uh, the Lakers are the favorites to win the NBA championship. Uh, Milwaukee and the Clippers are close behind them. Lakers, I think they're like plus 240. Bucks are plus 250. Honestly, those are both mm-hmm. decent bets. I'd put money down on there. So we all yeah. know who we expect to get to the end, are there teams that could surprise fans during the playoffs and maybe make a deeper run than people expect? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, the, the number one team that comes to mind for me is is Toronto. Uh, they're the defending champions, which it's kind of funny to say, but they lost their best player last year, so everyone kind of wrote them off. But they just kept winning. I mean, they're second in the East this year. They really they have a great point differential, and I think their style of play is really intriguing because they're the only team in the league that runs a full court press. They're the only team in the league that runs like crazy zone defenses, like a boxing one. And Nick nurse is the coach of the year this year. I think that's, I think he, he wrapped that up before the hiatus, but yeah, they have so many different guys that they can throw out there that are good defensively. They have a lot of different guys that can create their own shots and Pascal Siakam has gotten better as the number one guy. Ugh, spicy P. That guy. kid, he is so good. Oh, man. He, he he has done so much. He has improved so much so quickly. And it's like we haven't seen it. And then also, our duck, Chris Boucher, has put on like 30 pounds of muscle. Like he is looking jacked. And he's been good for them before he got a bunch of muscle. And it's like he comes off the bench and he's been good. And then they didn't even have OG Ananobi last year when they won the championship, basically. And he's been really good for them all year. And so uh, they're kind of an unheralded team. I think their odds are like 25 to 1. But, I, I mean, I think that they're the sleeper team because they're not, they don't have any sexy guys, really. You know, any sexy names. They don't have like a big superstar. Like Siakam doesn't really stand out to the average fan. But I think... Uh, or Kyle Lowry, Marcus Soule. Yeah, Lowry's just really- a – he's a consistent – he always gets it done every night, and nobody really talks about it much. It's true. Yeah, I mean, because his game is taking charges, being a game manager, and, you know, he's not hes not scoring 40 points every other night. And But I think 
this I mean they just won the championship last year. They know how they know how to win. They're they have a they have a strong they have a very distinct identity. Like they're a great defensive team, and that's what really pushes them. And I think um, in a situation where no one's been playing for four months for the most part, yeah, um, I think having a team that really believes in their defense the most is is something that um, intrigues me. So I, I I like the Raptors a lot as like the sleeper championship pick. It's so good to see uh, Ducks, too, by the way. You mentioned Boucher and then Dylan Brooks uh, for the Memphis Grizzlies, just seeing their success in the NBA this year. Oh, my goodness. Finally finally getting some Oregon Ducks studs in the NBA uh, to produce. So I'm glad that you brought Boucher up uh, because he has just been fun to watch, just like Dylan Brooks, man. Is that Would Boucher or Dylan Brooks be your top Duck so far this year? Oh, I mean, I think Brooks is definitely uh... – Definitely a more important player to the Memphis success for sure. Shoots um, the just, lights out for that team. Goodness gracious. Yeah, and, and, and I think he's really a leader. Like, I mean, do you remember? I mean, this is like ages ago, but remember the, the Andre Iguodala thing? Oh, yeah. Because, like, he was like, oh, yeah, Iguodala doesn't want to be with us, but we don't want him. That was like, yep. I think know, that's kind of when I started really, really paying attention to Dylan. Yeah. 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 No, he's really a leader of that Memphis team. And hey, if they make it, I mean, he's a big reason why they will make it into the postseason uh, because he's been great all year. And he's kind of like, you know, I mean, he's still kind of the same guy he was at Oregon. You know, he's not he's never afraid to take the big shot. And so, uh, you know, you love to see that. Yeah, when the Blazers do match up against Memphis, obviously going to have to key in on Dylan Brooks uh, if they want to win that game. All right, Erica, we've been talking a long time. I really appreciate you stopping by Believe in Trail Blazers. Have a great night. And uh, hopefully we'll talk soon, get some NBA talk going, man. By the way, let people know before we go where they can find you on Twitter and the Internet. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Eric underscore Gunderson, E-R-I-K underscore G-N-D-E-R-S-E-N. You can find me on Instagram at Eric G 503 And you can also find my work at LeBronWire.USAToday.com, where, as you said, we cover LeBron, the Lakers, and the NBA. Go check it out. Your, your work is awesome. I love reading it every week. Eric, thank you so much. Eric Gunderson, editor for LeBron Wire, covers LeBron for USA Today, joining the podcast. Thanks for stopping by, man. Thanks, Jordan. Wave at him as he goes. Eric Gunderson covers LeBron James for USA Today, editor of LeBron Wire. Love his work. That is a wrap on episode 27 of Believe in Trailblazers. If you have any burning questions about the team you want answered or you think I'm crazy, hit me up on Twitter on the air, Jordan, with an O. His show available wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find the show at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts on Twitter. That's all for now, Portland fans. Please continue to wash your hands. Do your best to stay healthy. I'm Jordan Schultz, and I'll talk to you next week. Rip City, baby. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.